Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, uh, we're continuing our summer favourites series today. And we just said to our teaching team, preach your favourite passage, your favourite topic, or your favourite sermon preached from yesteryear. So I'm going to bring something to you today that uh, some things I've touched on in the past, but some freshness in there that I believe God just wants to encourage us with as we start the year. So as we open God's word, why don't you pause with me and we're going to pray together. We're going to jump right into it. Hey God, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you that you have spoken, that there were faithful people that recorded that. And God, you give us something that we can use uh, to guide us in life, to uh, transform us to change us, to help us understand who you are, the way that you've acted in history. Thank you that your word is life to us. As we open your word today, I want to pray, Jesus, that you would speak to each of us individually in the things that we need to hear, the things that you want to encourage us in, the things you need to challenge us in. God, may we all walk out these doors this morning a little bit more like you, a little bit more uh, with more knowledge of who you are, but more desire in our spirit just to follow you every day of our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to take us to the book of Genesis today. So if you have your Bible and you want to jump into Genesis chapter 6, I'm going to read a story that will be very familiar to a whole bunch of you. Uh, And I would say this story appears in more children's books and more children's pictures and on more walls of more children's ministries in churches right across the world than any other. It's a story of Noah and his ark. And uh, it's quite ironic, really, that it's such a great children's story. We love it because there's lots of animals, but it's really a tragic story of how God almost gave up on his creation and so decided to bring an end to it except he saw faithfulness in one man. So it's not really a children's story. We've turned it into one because there's lots of colourful, bright pictures and images and animals in the story in a big boat. But if you're not familiar with the story of Noah's Ark, I'm going to read it to you this morning. You, if you are, I, I just pray God might want to bring something brand new out of this story for you in this space today. So from Genesis 6, from verse 11, it says this. Now the earth was corrupting God's sight and was full of violence. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. As I said, it's not exactly a great children's story. So Noah, make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you were to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Now, we don't work in cubits, but let me bring that into modern metric conversion for us. And let's pause for a minute, because the thing that would describe this ark is it is jolly big. 300 cubits, 50 cubits, and 30 cubits equates to an ark, a boat, that is 135 meters long. Think of that. Think about the 100-meter sprint you have to run at school or used to have to run at school. For some of us now, it feels like just a bridge too far. But add 35 meters on that, and that's how long the boat that God asked Noah to build was. More than that, it was 23 meters wide. I don't know how wide this room is, but it's probably not quite 23 meters, so a bit wider than this room, and 14 meters high. That is one big boat. 
And God continues, make a roof for it, leaving below the roof and opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you, and you are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And you are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as a food for you and for them. Let me summarize this. Big boat, crazy concept. God says to Noah, build a massive ark, fill it with animals, fill it with food for you and for the animals, Put your family on it. Tell everybody around that wonders what you're doing, that you're doing it because God told you to do it. Now, I'm very familiar with lots of the scripture stories and I'm very familiar with the story of Noah's Ark. But if someone came to me at the end of the service today and said, I had a dream last night that God asked me to build a boat in Ormo. that was 135 meters long 23 meters wide, 14 meters high to fill it with every animal on earth and food and put my family on it, I would call the leaders of the church around you to pray. I'd ask one of our welcome team to go and find a brochure on our counseling and wholeness center. And we talk to you about someone that you could process your dream with. Because it is a crazy, crazy thing that Noah is asked to do. It makes no human sense. It's the kind of story that a crazy person tells. Yet listen to what the Bible tells us Noah did. Last verse. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So what I want to talk about the story of Noah today. I don't want to go back into the history and talk about it in the flood event. I just want to use the concept of Noah's faithfulness, and I want to talk to us a little bit about how we sometimes respond to the things of God. And here's my bottom line. If you want to write one thing down, you want to copy one thing that you take away from today's message, this is it. Sometimes God asks us to build things that might make no sense at the time or make no sense to the culture we're part of. But if he asks it, be obedient to it because there'll be a purpose for it. Sometimes God asks us to build things that make no sense at the time or make no sense to the culture that we're a part of, but if he asks us to build it, it's because he's got a purpose for it and he's going to use it. See, for Noah, it made no sense to build an ark. But Noah responds in the very thing that we're called to respond to when God speaks to us, and it's this word obedience. Noah did the thing that didn't make sense, but he did it because God asked him to do it. You see, no one I've ever known has been told to build an ark. But there's things that God has called you to do and called me to do and called those around us to do that often make no sense to others. But when we respond in obedience, God will use it. See, some of you have been asked to use your time in a way that makes no sense to others. Some of you have great capacity to earn great money, yet you've chosen to serve 
the weak and the lost and the poor and the marginalized in this world and done it tough financially because of those decisions. And it doesn't make sense to everyone else around you, but you've done it because God's called you to do it. You see, if God asks you to do something, the only thing he wants us to do is be obedient to the thing he asks us to do and he'll be faithful with the outcome to it. Some of you have used your money in ways that make no sense to other people. Some of you have faithfully given to the church, have faithfully given to mission, have faithfully given to those without, you've given to your family. And people have looked in on that. Maybe your own family has looked in on that and said, you are crazy. It is irresponsible. What if you just kept a little bit more of that for yourself, but you know God's called you to do it. And because you've been faithful, he's used it in the way that he intended to use it. Some of you have made decisions for your family or put boundaries around things in your family that don't make sense to the culture around you. See, I don't know anyone that's been asked to build an ark, but I know all of us have been asked to build things that to others don't make sense. And what Noah did made no sense in the moment. We don't know exactly where this story takes place, but we know it was somewhere in the Middle East, and the Middle East is dry and arid and full of desert. It's not the place that you'd naturally think you'd build an ark, especially one that's 135 metres long, because it doesn't matter how good a car you've got, you cannot hitch that to the back of any vehicle and tow it down to the water, can you? This wasn't a little boat that Noah built. This was an ark in a dry, arid desert landscape. This is an act of a crazy person, unless the crazy person's being obedient to the call of God on their life. And it made no sense in the moment, but the minute the rain came and the flood started, guess what? Suddenly an ark makes sense. There was no other place that you'd want to be other than on the ark when the floods came. And so this morning, let me talk to you about three things that I think God calls us to build that at the time may make no sense. I want to speak a little bit this morning to those of us that have kids that are still under our influence and under our care, because I think there's some things that God's going to call you to build that in the moment isn't going to feel like it's worth the effort, worth the time, worth the hassle. You're going to wonder why you persist, but I reckon God's calling you to build some things that one day when the rain and the flood come will make sense. So three things to encourage you with this morning. Number one is this, build godly habits. When I was a kid, and I know it's come back into vogue, which is why I kind of use this illustration. When I was a kid, I remember watching the Karate Kid movies. And I've seen the Karate Kid movies all built on this, uh, this young guy that finds himself in trouble at school and finds a mentor who gets him to do a whole bunch of yard work and other restoration work around his house. And one of the first things, he just wants to go in there learning how to defend himself, but one of the first things young, um, I was going to say Ralph, but that's his real name, what's his, Dan, Daniel LaRusso gets asked to do is to wax the car of Mr. Miyagi. Right? Wax on, wax off. And there as he waxes on and waxes off, he makes no sense of it. And then he has to paint the fence, right? You know, paint up, down, up, down. Anyway, for those that haven't seen the movie, this kid just spends hours rubbing the wax on and rubbing the wax off. And then one day he gets confronted with some of the bullies at school. And now what has become rote learning for him actually becomes his defense mechanism. Because he built the habit of wax on and wax off and... I just look like I'm a smooth mover right there, don't I? You can tell I haven't rubbed too much wax on and off anyone's car. But the whole point of the story is he learnt, he learnt principles that actually then came to protect him later on. You want a great example of what it looks like to build godly habits 
that actually pay dividend later in life. Jesus himself is led into the desert with no food for 40 days. And it says he's led into the desert to be tempted by the enemy. And at three points in the story of Jesus' temptation, the enemy comes to Jesus and actually confronts him with some of his weakest and most opportune things to try and suck Jesus in. He says to Jesus, who's hungry, why don't you've got the power just to speak to the stones and turn them into bread? Why don't you just do it? Like, what's the point? No one else is out here. It's not an issue. What, what's, what's stopping you? He takes Jesus to the highest point. He says, the Bible says that if you toss yourself off this, his angels will take care of you. He asks Jesus to hand over, you know, to, to take the shortcut to gaining all the power of all the kingdoms on earth. But every time that Jesus is tempted, Jesus comes back at the enemy with a scripture that was inscribed on his heart. You see, there's some habits that God calls us to build that in the moment may not make sense. But let me just talk to three really quickly. What is it for you to build a habit in your life of reading God's word regularly? So that when the, the temptations come, when the trouble comes, when the confrontation comes, when the temptation to walk away from everything or give up on everything comes, the thing that's been inscribed in your spirit are the very words of God that actually then become your defense mechanism against the things of the enemy. What's it look like to build a healthy Bible reading habit in your life? And you know the days when it doesn't make sense is the days when you read something and go, I have no idea what that means. And if you've ever done a Bible reading plan and you haven't had a day where you've just gone, I have no idea what that means, just take a bit more time to concentrate because you'll find those days pretty quickly. Bible can be a really hard book to read, but there's something about the habit of good discipline that actually gives you the tools that right now may not make sense, but one day will. Because in a moment, in a situation, when confronted with something, God will bring to mind some of the word that is inscribed on your heart and it'll be the thing that'll help you stand firm in light of all that is going on. Secondly, what's it look like for you to build a good routine of prayer in your life for similar reasons? Learn to listen to the voice of God. Learn to take your concerns, your praise, your adoration to him. And finally, what does it look like to build a great rhythm of meeting with God's people into your life. You see, you think, well, I should get paid to say this, really, that church matters. But I do this not just because it's a good job, but because I actually believe that God put us in community for a purpose. And that, you know what, sometimes you don't come to church because you're going to get something out of it every time you turn up here. I hope that's the case. I hope you walk away enriched. But if your only perspective is I come to church to receive something, God wants to transform that, to start to believe that maybe you turn up to to church some weeks so someone else can receive something from you. We're in this together. And if all we want to do is consume community, you'll get bored with this really quickly. I don't have that much new material. I'm not that smart that what comes off this stage is going to be different. We sing a fairly similar group of songs. And what I'm saying is like you'll find a reason to get bored really quickly if all you're looking for is something to consume. Like product manufacturers understand this, don't they? 
They're constantly reinventing themselves and reinventing their brand and finding new and creative ways to try and get us to engage with it because if all we have is the product, after a while it just becomes same old, same old. And if you lean into church just as a consumer, just as something you consume when you feel like it, I think you're missing the point of why God brings us together. He brings us together for you to be blessed and for you to bless others and he brings us together because he says, my church, my body will be my agents in the world to share the good news of Jesus. So if you're not part of that and a regular part of that, you're missing out on the part that God's called you to play to actually make a difference in this world. If I can compel you with something, it is to make gathering with God's people a regular habit. And I say this genuinely, but I say it carefully. If this is not the place where you feel that you receive or you can contribute or you're part of a community or family, find somewhere where you can. Specifically, find somewhere where your kids can. Because it matters that much. God put you in his body. That's the illustration the scripture uses to talk about his people is a body. No body exists on their own. You're going to be a better person because of the people that you're in community with. And people are going to be better people because you're in community with them. Does that make sense? Build the godly habit of meeting with God's people. Come with the expectation every week that God might want to say something to you. That God might want to use you to speak encouragement into someone else's life. See, Noah's action, Noah's obedience had a salvation effect on his whole family. It wasn't just Noah that built the ark. His whole family was saved because Noah was obedient in building the ark. And there's some things that you can do that can set up things in your family for a good future of faith. Not as a formula but just some good habits that God calls you to build. Secondly, don't just build God, good habits, build godly priorities. Now, the Fuller Youth Institute, uh, uh, Christian Youth Institute in the States, conducted a study some years ago about what is the thing that make faith stick with young people. They looked at kids that were making the transition from high school into college, and this really matters to me right now because the first child in my family is making that transition, and they looked at kids that were making the transition out of the structure of high school into the much more freeing world of college, and they asked the question of what was consistent with those that chose to follow through their faith versus those that threw it away. And while none of this is the same in every case, they found some common threads. And there were four main threads, but let me just speak to two of them this morning. Firstly, they said this, those that stuck with their faith had built good intergenerational relationships within their faith community. And the second thing they found, that in the faith development of the child, that there was no one more important than their family. In other words, your family needs Christian community where there's others that speak into the life of your kids. But secondly... It's really detrimental if you outsource the faith development of your kids to everybody else. They almost sound contradictory, don't they? You need community, but the community is just there to help you do the job that God's called you to do in speaking into the lives of your kids. And so for some of us today, the takeaway is simple. How can we step up and be the greatest spiritual influence on our kids? Because I've spent 20 years pastoring at Gateway and I've been told in years past that the reason that some people's kids have fallen away is because of the youth ministry that at that time I was leading. That it was the church's fault, that it was the Christian school's fault, that it was somebody else's fault. But you know what, all those things should just be things that complement what is happening at home. 
And you know what? God has created the church then to be the place that picks up for those that are coming from places where they don't have a spiritual home. The church becomes that spiritual home. So if I'm the key factor in my kid's faith, what does it mean? How do I model godly priorities? Well, the first thing we've got to do is decide what really matters and then persist. We have to persist. You know, we find this clash regularly with five kids in our family and all of their interests that are outside church and all you have to do is sign up for a sporting club or a music club or an outside association to realise that most of them have no concept or care about the local church in their scheduling. And so there's always conversations and challenges about scheduling clashes. And when you've got kids that are invested in a whole bunch of stuff, there's always the question of priorities. Well, what does it mean to make faith a priority in your family. I don't want to answer that question for you because I know the circumstances are different for everybody. I just want to give you the question to ask. How do I make faith a priority in my family? You see, there's places where your kid can learn and grow and there's places you can be where they can hear about Jesus but being part of a worshipping community is essential to that. Don't leave it too late. What's it look like for them to see faith as your priority. If they just see that Jesus is something that you interact with once every two or three months, what kind of message are your kids getting about how important Jesus is in the world that they live? Model godly priorities. Build godly priorities. Number three, build godly perseverance. You know, this story is a little bit low on the detail that I'd love to help kind of fill in this sermon. But I imagine for Noah in the time that he lived, building the ark wasn't a quick project. I mean, there were no scissor lifts, there was no scaffolding, no nail guns. There were no big timber mills and trucks that were delivering the timber to him. This would have been a long and arduous labour of love. I imagine it was a labour of love that took decades. I've been wanting to rebuild my back fence for four years and it still hasn't happened. I can only imagine how long it would take me to build an ark with no tools. But this would have been a labour of love. It would have been something that didn't happen overnight. You see, when someone does something different, it would have received a lot of attention. The guy's building a boat in the desert. And so not just for five minutes did Noah have to explain himself, but for year after year after year after year, Noah would have had to have put up with the ridicule of those around him, with the poking and the prodding of his mates, with the eyesore that he was creating, with probably a tourist attraction. Like whatever Google looked like and Facebook looked like in Noah's day, it would have been alight with the stories of this crazy guy that was building an ark in the desert. And everyone would have just taken their holidays to go, it's on my bucket list, I've just got to go see the crazy man building the ark in the desert because it's one big boat. I mean, Noah didn't just do this overnight. This was a long project that Noah took on and every day and every month and every year that passed, he would have looked to the skies and seen no clouds on the horizon and wondered at times, I reckon, whether he was losing it. But he persisted and he persevered and he finished the ark because God told him to finish the ark. And he built it just as God had called him to build it and guess what? There was a time when the rain came. See, not everything God asks you to do is going to come easy. Actually, there's a lot of stuff that God's going to ask you to do that is actually only going to be better and stronger and richer in your life if it is built over time. We live in an instant culture. 
A culture that's so tuned to consumerism that things like loyalty and persistence and perseverance are often seen as crazy when compared to convenience and ease. But sometimes the journey God wants to take you on in building your character by allowing you to persist, persist and persevere for the long haul is going to build something so much richer in your life that it's worth sticking at. If God calls you to do something, don't walk away too early. Had Noah given up before he completed the project, he wouldn't have had a boat when the rain came. And some of us have left some relics in our past of things that God has called us to because we gave up too early. See, a boat's no good unless it's complete. And the faith of Noah required the boat to be complete so God could then do what God needed to do. Again, parents, let me encourage you. Model persistence and perseverance for your kids. If you serve, don't just give up the minute it gets hard. We're nearly nine years deep into planting Ormo. If you told me nine years ago that we'd be wearing masks in church, that we'd be half the number of our launch Sunday because we're all wearing masks in church and we're still setting up chairs, I think I would have quit. But God in his grace doesn't let you see the long haul because I know the story that's been written in the last nine years and it's a very rich, good story. Don't give up just because it gets hard. And you know what? For some of us this year, we we jumped into 2021, didn't we? Thinking the turn of the calendar was going to change everything and it's all going to be good. And then 2021 came, we went into lockdown, had to wear a mask to church, and we thought, well, maybe it's not quite as good. Maybe 2022 is going to be our year. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a prophet of doom here today, but I just want to say I reckon we're going to have to live with a couple of months or it's going to feel like we're pushing a barrel up the hill in some parts of our family life, in some parts of our work life, in some parts of our church life. There's going to be some Sundays that are going to be great and going to be easy, and there's going to be others that you think, man, that's a lot harder work than it was 18 months ago. But I reckon there's going to be something rich that comes from us persisting through a season where things just get a little bit more inconvenient and more difficult. And I don't think that's a church reality. I think for a whole bunch of us, we're going to find that in a whole different lot of areas in our life, but don't give up before you get to the end because there will be an end and God's always at work in the mess. So keep persevering and keep persisting and never give up because what God forms in us sometimes in the tough seasons are the things that sustain us for the long haul. So parents, don't give up just because it gets hard. When a relationship gets difficult, don't just pack up your stuff and move on somewhere else, work it out. Model what the Bible says. It says, do the hard yards of working it out. Sit down with the person, talk it out, pray it out. Work out how you can move forward. How do you show grace and forgiveness? Do the hard yards, persist and persevere. Because if you complete the job, God will be faithful in using all that you've built to his glory. I had the band to come join me. Let me finish with a question. What is God calling you to build? What is it that God is calling you to build? Maybe for some of you, you need to go home and have a conversation in your family space about what it looks like this year for you to prioritise the things of God in your family. What is God calling you to build? It might be countercultural, it might look crazy, but if God's asking you to build it, it's always going to make sense in the end. Noah wasn't just the guy that put a whole bunch of animals on an ark, he was that guy. He was the crazy guy that built a boat in the desert. From now on, when you read the story of Noah, 
Noah was the crazy guy that built a boat in the desert. But Noah the crazy man was Noah the hero when the water came. Because boats don't make sense in the desert, but they do make sense in a flood. And if God's asking you to build something, one day he's going to make sense of it in you and through you. And sometimes the thing that God's calls us to build aren't just going to have effect on your life. You're going to build a legacy in your family and the generations to come. That was Noah's story. He persisted and he built and his family found salvation through that. They got to ride on the wave of Noah's faithfulness. And they would have had to put up with the ridicule at school. Oh, your dad's that crazy man building the boat. Can we come and have a look at the boat? Is there a room for me on the boat when the water comes? I know what I'm like with my mates when they do crazy stuff. I can just only imagine what it was like for 20 years of Noah's life as he built that thing. But his whole family experienced salvation because Noah was obedient to the things that God called him to build even when it made no sense. So what's God calling you to build right now that makes no sense? Maybe it's some stuff to build in your family. Maybe you've got young kids and just getting out the door on a Sunday is the hardest thing that you'll ever do. Well, it feels like the hardest. It's not, I'll just tell you that, but it's going to feel like the hardest thing you'll ever do. Well, can I encourage you to persist? Because if God's calling you to build faith in your family, God will use that one day to do something good. Is God calling you to, to build into an area of your life or in, in something in your workplace that to everyone else doesn't make sense? Or is he asking you to use your time or your money or your resources in ways that may not make sense, but you know deep in your spirit that God's called you to do it. And because he's called you to do it, he's the one that's going to make sense of it. What is it that God's calling you to build that right now others may not understand or make sense of, but God's going to use for his glory one day in your life and in this community? I just want to pray for you. Why don't we all jump on our feet? Why don't we all jump on our feet? I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray firstly for all of us here that uh, I want to pray for the those of you that still have children, young children at home, who you are responsible for. I said to Eli, my eldest, as he finished school and he's about to have his 18th birthday, I said, mate, I, I feel like we're moving to this stage where my responsibility for you ends. And all I have now is influence. And you can choose to ignore that influence, but some of us are still in that stage where we carry deep responsibility. The choices we make impact every aspect of our kids' lives. The choices we make about where we live and whether we make church a priority and how we model our faith and how we use our time. And like all of those choices are going to impact those that are dependent on you. I want to pray for you first. I'm going to pray for all of us that God would continue to speak clearly into the things that he's asking for us to build faithfully in our lives that one day he'll make sense of. Why don't you pray with me? Father God, thank you again for your word that encourages us and challenges us. Today, Lord, I just want to lift up all of those here that have children that they're still responsible for. Lord, I want to pray that as parents, you would give them all the wisdom they need under heaven to make good and godly and wise choices for the sake of those that you've entrusted to them. God, we know that that as parents, we are the most important human relationship in the lives of our kids in pointing them to the things that really matter. We have the greatest capacity for influence. And so for those that stand here as parents, Lord, I, I want to pray that we would not take that responsibility lightly, but we would see the immense privilege that it is to speak into and develop the next generation. 
God, help us make good choices, not just good choices, but godly choices. Even when it's hard, even when it makes no sense, even when our kids argue against it. God, let let us make choices that in the long run are going to be choices that honor you through the lives, not just of our family, but of the generations that will come from our family. Father God, I want to pray for all of us. There's things that you call us to build that to the world around us make no sense. There's things that you call us to prioritize. There's things that you tell us matter more than other things. There's things that you tell us we should walk away from that don't make sense to those around us. But God, I want to pray that you continue to prompt us. Speak to us. Make clear to us the way, your way that leads to life and help us to be obedient to the things that you call us to. God, for those right here, right now that are wrestling, Lord, just know they've been walking for years faithfully in what you've called them to do but just feel like giving up because it's gotten hard Lord in this season that is challenging and difficult season of constant change and inconvenience and disruption Lord I want to pray that people wouldn't walk away from the things that you've got them doing but they would continue to persist and persevere and push through God because at the other end of that you are always faithful to that that you promise we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.